I never listen to John Moore. Rennie is the best part. <laughs> the following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 376 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am joined today by my unprepared, although told me she was prepared co-host, the lovely, eh, sometimes less talented than others, Brittany Page. Um, I'm going to try a little thing where I move it really <laughs> fast. Okay. Um, I you want to explain what that's about? Well, I have been watching some YouTube videos, and so I was a little distracted, and I didn't move my mic over. That's not... I said, time. are you ready to go? Yeah. And, and we yes. don't have the super high speed, low drag, um, crany b- b- boom mics, um, mic booms. They're like on on hinges and shit, but they're a little squeaky sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so there might be some squeaks in there. Sorry, that's me. There was. Uh, anyway. So okay. Good times. Yeah. Well, anyway. Been a weird day. This is hashtag third episode. Thank you for joining us, like I said. Yes. Um, It's been a very... Other shit is on my mind other than the show today. Yeah. Stuff that we will eventually be able to talk about, just not right now. Yeah. So a decision's going to get made either... Anyway, I want to keep teasing if we're not going to talk about it. Well, I want to say generally what it is because you are probably freaking people out. Um, It's related to YouTube and some things that are happening there that are not positive um and we we're not positive. we're waiting for youtube to um take action on that and uh waiting to see what their decision is yeah the other thing is uh goddamn what is it about I, I was never i didn't used to be a guy who would come down on business and come down on banks and and be you know kind of a bernie sanders type of guy about it and really, I chalk that up to not understanding it fully and not also um, ascribing an ill intent upon a bank. Let me talk about what we're talking about or what the hell I'm talking about since I'm this is I hope this rest of this episode doesn't start like it go like this. Well, I think you're speaking in code the whole time. Yeah, I think that you might be getting ready to tell us that you've um, lived your entire life being a bank advocate. And yeah, like a Republican banks. Yeah, that's right. That's true. (laughs) Okay. Bank of America right now just announced a policy that they're doing away with free checking. Yeah, they had they had these e banking accounts. Yeah, where you could have free checking, but you like couldn't come in. You had to do everything online and get your statements online. And if you did use a teller ever, like not even one time was free, if you came into a bank and used the bank bank, the actual structure, you got charged money. Yeah, like an $8 fee, yeah. $8.95. Yeah, so these were low-income type of uh, accounts where the poorest people who need a bank account would get these accounts. Yes. Well, they're doing away with that. 
and they're going to charge $12.99 per month for an account unless you can maintain a $1,500 balance or have a regular $250 worth of, of direct deposits go into that account every month. $12 a month. If you don't meet those requirements. Not twelve ninety nine. No. Okay. 12... Accor- according to this article, I'm uh, Well, I want to be accurate. Yeah. So 12 bucks a month. Yes. What, what, are they, what are they doing? What's their, what's their rationale? Well, and some people might think, oh, you know, $250 in direct deposit, that's not that much. Well, actually, many people aren't paid in direct deposit. Um, some people are paid with a check. Some people are paid in cash. Yes. Um, you don't know people's situations. Um, also, don't look at this through the lens of your comfortable life. Look at it through the lens of someone who is poor. Who is desperately poor? Uh, this is—it's a dick move on the part of Bank of America, right? Well, and they made a substantial profit last year. I don't remember the number; it's not in front of me now, um, so I don't want to like say forty-one billion dollars. That's the number I remember. I could be wrong. Brittany is dutifully looking it up. <laughs> twenty-one billion. Twenty-one billion. I knew it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, All right. So I I actually had 21 in my head, but I didn't want to say it. Um, but I well, because you you like data and certainty, and I am a fly by the seat of my. Well, and I wanted to go and find the right one because I was like, no, I think it's half that. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. we can't. But still, let- a tremendous amount of money. Yeah, profit. but I wasn't gonna let you run with that. So um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So it's not as though they're struggling or they need, you know, this $12 a month from from um, poor people. It's the banking business. Uh, they're doing okay. Yeah. And one of the things that they said <laughs> is that this is actually um, something that people will want to do because their customer service is so exceptional. And <laughs> like we're trying, to, they're trying to act like their customer service is so amazing that people want to pay $144 a year for it. <laughs> um, Poor people are really going to listen. It's going to be well worth it. Because we'll have a smile on our face when we do see them in the bank. Yeah, you know, (laughs) and actually they don't have good customer service. I used to have a job where I used to go to like three different banks to make deposits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sounds weird. Anyway, um, and when I went to Bank of America, it was my least favorite bank to go to because I would walk in the door and there would be some creepy guy standing there like, hello, welcome to Bank of America. How can we help you today? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here to make a deposit. So I'm just going to head over to the line (laughs) to go do that. And the guy, there would be a guy standing in front of the line where you go to enter the line and they, oh, hello, how can we help you today? Yeah, I'm like, I'm here to make a deposit. Like, what are people what, doing What do you here? fucking think? I'm, I'm here to do bank stuff. What do you think I'm here to do? Like, how many times do I have to tell? Are you guys checking my story to see if it's consistent? You like are radioing to each other. Oh, she said something different to me. Like, I don't. Why are you asking me repeatedly? That is. I've known banks that do that. We. we it's aggressive. I used to have a roommate. And I used to. I was a little shady about the roommate, so I used to go and cash their checks. I'm not going to give the gender of the individual, but uh, I used to cash their checks at a at a, at a bank. I don't remember what bank it was, but anyway, it was the same kind of routine. It was yeah? What do you? How can I help you? I'm like, 
I'm here to do bank stuff. Yeah. Bank stuff. What do you think? Just let me go to the teller. Leave me alone. Yeah. No, I'm not going to. Oh, oh, I I see you have a tattoo on the back of your leg that's a Marine. We have military, blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. How about that? Well, I'm here to do bank stuff. If I wanted an account, I would seek you out with your gleaming teeth and fucking eager look on your face. Well, that's the thing. It is a case of too much customer service. Too, that is exactly it. And the, the classic Britney's. Too much customer service. Yeah, it's too, it's too much. It crosses the line to where it's no longer helpful and it needs to stop. And <laughs> I think part of the problem is they're trying to make sales. So it might be that they are hoping that they can get you to say something about needing a new account. Or I wonder what the conversion rate is. It must be decent. Otherwise, they wouldn't man the floor yeah. like, a, like a minefield in a naval movie. Well, you'd think this kind of culture would go away after all the problems Wells Fargo has had with their employees opening fake accounts. And I I worked in two banks and both of them were small banks. They weren't big banks. And it was it was so different. You like were not expected to harass people. In fact, you like were not supposed to do that. I was told only offer something if they need it you don't have to meet if it's going to make sense for yeah you don't have to like try to sell them a bunch of stuff that they don't need and that was a relief for me because i cannot do that i don't have that ability so anyway look i'm uh, bank of america they could be asshole of today today because it's a dick move that's going to punish poor people and the banking system's already set up to put people uh without means or with scant means at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Louis C.K. has a bit about it where he talks about if you have no money, then you, like, if you are overdrawn because you're, you, you don't bounce a check, you have zero money, less than zero money, um, you get charged mm-hmm. for having no money. Yeah. And, but if you have money, then they pay you with interest. Oh, you have a bunch of money? Here's some more money. Yeah. And it's a weird, out-of-whack, out-of-balance system. Right. And uh, Bank of America is shamelessly yeah. just steaming full head uh, with the same system. Yeah, it's it, you bounce a check, you overdraw your account. Oh, here's a $35 charge. We're gonna we're gonna put you even yeah. further in. Debt. Oh, you don't have a thir- oh after a week or whenever it is. Oh, you don't you don't have the thirty five to pay us to to bring your count to zero. Oh, here's another thirty five dollar charge. I was even reading an article today that said that banks will reorganize your charges to have the larger amounts hit your account first if you're overdrawn to get you into that red balance faster, like a higher amount. Doesn't surprise me. And. I, I feel like I've noticed my bank doing some tricky stuff like that um, with my charges, like hmm. reorganizing them. I, I think I've noticed that kind of that kind of thing. Not to like screw me over, but I've just noticed like weird things like that. It's predatory bullshit. No good. Yeah, and, and sorry, and, go ahead. And like I said, I used to work in a bank, and I had a manager who was the worst. And there was a. <laughs> There was the worst. No, it was a very toxic work environment. And um, she would see a certain client at the drive up window and they came every month to cash their disability check. And she would run over and say, you can't just keep cashing that here. You need to deposit some of the money in the account and keep it in the account. (laughs) 
And I always thought that was so weird because it's, you know, close their account. Yeah. If if you have a problem with them coming and doing that and you're That's not, shit, you're, you aren't happy with how they're using your services, then, yeah. then close the account. You don't need to run over every time and, and, shame ch- them. and chastise them and yeah, embarrass them in front of everybody. It's, it was a very weird weird ordeal yeah but that's kind of the personality of that person very very lame mm. all right well, anyway that's i guess that that it encapsulates the kind of day that it was today because uh normally we start with something upbeat <laughs> and i didn't have it even though some great shit is happening for the show for us professionally that we're going to be able to talk about very soon again. Uh, that's that's all happening. But yeah, just one of those fucking days. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate We love you, your loyalty, your listenership, your being there for us as long as you have. Let's get to a few, a uh, couple voicemails before we move on. John in Ohio talking about patient dumping, which is something we talked about a few episodes back. Hey guys, this is John from Ohio here. Uh, just wanted to talk about uh, your taking care of biz in episode 373 with uh, Imamu Baraka. Uh, I've worked in healthcare for well over a decade, um, about half of which in hospital healthcare. Um, and where I've worked, that would be unheard of. Um, you know, they have something called continuum of care, where even if the hospital is done taking care of a patient, uh, we follow up to make sure they're continuing, especially with the, um, in our, what we call the coping center, uh, with the uh, mental health patients, uh, we follow up to make sure they're going to their appointments. And, uh, one of our main goals as a hospital in all departments is, uh, preventing rehospitalizations. Um, and I think a lot of the problem with patient dumping is it speaks to the need to get away from a for-profit healthcare system into at least not for profit, even if it doesn't go socialized profit is, is a big, uh, big factor in, in issues like patient dumping. Um, and especially in this case, I can't imagine that it was just some one individual who, Oh, this patient's discharged, dump them on the street. This is, this is a systemic problem within that, that hospital. I can't imagine that people like in the upper management aren't aware of the problem. Uh, but anywho, that's just my two cents. Wanted to chime in on that. Uh, love the show. Keep it up. Thanks guys. Yeah, I, I I don't think it was one person saying go do that either. Yeah, sure. That that it wasn't a unilateral decision by some some cl- not clerk, but some what are they called? Orderly or something in a hospital. Yeah, was- I mean cuz we talked about that there were six security guards taking this person out. Yeah. And so there were at least those people who did this and then I don't think that security would just be on their own making these decisions. Right, yeah. If they see a guy in the hallway who is in a gown, they're not just, "Oh, well you look like you need to go." <laughs> yeah, and especially the woman that they did take out is just the state that she was in. Yeah, right. It doesn't seem like they would uh we can take care of this. We know what to do, right. you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I I think it's a bigger problem in bigger cities. Where where does John live again? Ohio. 
So, yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> well, it doesn't, he didn't say where from. Yeah, so I, I don't know if he lives in a big city or a small city, but uh, Las Vegas has been caught shipping homeless people, yeah. like buying them a bus ticket. A one-way ticket. Yeah, and just putting them on the bus. Um, that kind of thing happens in Los Angeles. I think it's a it's a problem in bigger cities, and I don't know who's overseeing the decision, but somewhere along the line, there's some sort of breakdown where wh- whoever's working feels that that's the appropriate action to take and aren't they're not too fearful to take it as though they'll lose their job right now um, sure they feel like that's what they should do yeah and that's problematic for sure anyway thanks for the call john we appreciate your perspective very much being in the field that's that's awesome and i'm glad that he works somewhere where that would be <laughs> unheard of yeah. and unacceptable well, shocking yeah all right now next up uh we talked about guns yesterday or the uh, yeah. It was yesterday. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we talked about guns yesterday on the show. It, it kind of feels good to say that. Yeah. Not last time, but yesterday. Yeah. Hmm. Well, <laughs> someday. Just, just take a note of that. <laughs> <laughs> talked about guns a little bit in the wake of the uh, Kentucky shooting, and we got a voicemail related to that. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. It's Idra from Maryville, Indiana. I'm listening to episode 375, and it came up on the shooting in Kentucky, and I guess you would call me a gun nut. I have four of them. I have two handguns, two AR-15s. However, my guns are locked up. Only myself and my husband have the keys. Um, They're in our room. There's no way for the kids to get to them. But I don't feel attacked when this conversation comes up because as a country, we do need stricter uh, background checks as far as uh, obtaining a weapon. In Indiana, you could just go right in at the age of 18, they run a background check, and you can either get your gun right then and there or you have to wait three days. That's it. No uh, other identification that you need to set for your ID. I do believe that maybe if we put psychological tests behind it, it will make it much harder for a lot of people to get weapons. Also, there are weapons being purchased um by going out and buying it from other people with the serial number scratched off. But, you know, for me as a person who owns guns, I would love for my, my, my son to be safe at school. And I wouldn't mind taking a secure background check in order for me to obtain my weapon when I want to. And then even if they choose to ban um, assault rifles, I wouldn't mind that either because it's all about the safety of everyone, including my child. So I don't feel attacked when this conversation comes up. I hope most people don't, but I know there are people out there that does. But just keep the conversation going. I think that's one of the good remedies that we can have. But my guns are locked up. They're the key. My husband and I have the key, and that's it. You guys are doing a great job. Keep up the good work, and Brittany is the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So that's how people should do it, right? Lock yeah. it up. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that should be the response of... Every responsible gun owner who cares about their country, who cares about their children, who cares about their communities, it shouldn't be a threat to them that we're going to get a handle on what the fuck this epidemic of school shootings, of unnecessary deaths in the tens and by the end of the year, the hundreds of people. Why would that be a a 
a threat to your gun ownership if you're a responsible, mentally healthy. If, if you pose no threat, you won't be a target of any legislation. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't understand it. When people talk about uh, mental health screening for purchasing a gun, like she mentioned, a psychological assessment, mm-hmm. I always wonder what psychological assessment people are referring to there. Yeah, I, I don't they, think anybody really knows. It's just part of the the overall conversation right now. Because are they are they wanting something like the mini mental status exam or the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, the MOCA that Donald Trump just took where it's um, a cognitive assessment. Like, Here, point to the rhino. <laughs> that That is part of it, yeah, where you identify the date and who's president, you know, those kinds of things. Um, is that what people are talking, like cognitive yeah, I impairment? I don't, I don't or? know. I, I think that the, some of this is tying, like, it, but the, the problem is, is it, it is going to be a civil liberties question, and there does need to be a conversation. There are no easy answers with it, but leadership is tough. It takes tough decisions and trade-offs sometimes to make our messy system more more workable more gentle mm-hmm. for the rest of the wor- for the rest of the country so there's going to be likely a conversation had about maintaining some kind of a database of people who have a history of violence of paranoia of of uh, of a statistical uh likelihood higher than others of violent activity. Like I said, not every look, it's a bomber if you have paranoid schizophrenia and you think people want you to kill people. That is a tragic just a fucking bummer that you were born with that kind of a mental illness. You might not get to own a gun. Just like it's a bummer if you're born with severe epilepsy, you don't get to be an airline pilot. That's just, some shit is just, it's a tough deal. But for the betterment of the rest of us, for the betterment of our children in schools, for the betterment of concert goers in fucking Vegas, tough decisions sometimes have to be made. Yeah, I guess something that's missing there is the link. So you mentioned like paranoid schizophrenia. How many of the shooters that we've we've had in the past five years have right. been paranoid schizophrenic. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, I'm not ma- ma- like labeling what we're going to do. I'm saying right. if there's going to be a mental health component, there's going to be tough conversations had, and I just gave that as an example. Right, and that should also be based on research. Sure, yeah, absolutely. And who is at a higher propensity for violence. Yeah, well, that's why domestic violence, if you're convicted of domestic violence, then you, sorry, you forfeit. Because statistically speaking, if you are far more likely to kill your spouse, kill a member of your family, if you have been involved in a violent altercation with them in the past. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's the stats. And, you know, it's a way to, 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 to cut down on the chances of something happening. Anyway, Idra, thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much. Again, someone with experience, someone who's in that particular group we're talking about. It's good to hear that not everyone is a fucking nutter.
who feels attacked and accused, even because <laughs> that's just not the case. Anyway, thanks, you guys. We appreciate it very much. If you, too, would like to sound off, call the show. Leave a voicemail, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. That is one way to do it. You can also go to dollamore.com slash Amazon, purchase something on Amazon. You can go to dollamore.info and buy a t-shirt, a sweatshirt, a mug, a tote, uh, anything that you want with the logo or hashtag classy laid on it. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes. Oh, yeah. It's a very good idea. Profanity free review on iTunes. One of these days we're going to have to go through. It's been years since we've done this and read some of our favorites. Even there, there's a few shitty ones. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I want to promote shitty ones because I don't want a bunch of people thinking they're funny and leaving us bad reviews. Mm-hmm. Do not do that. That would not make me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, again, there's all kinds of ways to support us, even if it's just by listening and turning a friend onto the show. Thanks, you guys, so much. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. It's all hell broke loose tonight. The New York Times via Maggie Haberman and Mike Schmidt broke some news about back in June or July... When there was all that fervor and talk about Donald Trump possibly going to fire Robert Mueller, all the denials, apparently, eh, not quite the truth. Not a shock. Uh, Maggie, what's this break story that's just breaking now? Sure. My colleague Mike Schmidt and I, and thanks for having me, just reported uh, that the president um, last June uh, ordered uh, the White House counsel, Don McGahn, to fire the special counsel, Robert Mueller. McGahn protested. Uh, and threatened to quit uh, if he was ordered to go through with this. The president ultimately backed down. This is the first time that we know of, Anderson, of the president actually engaging in this um, and doing what had been seen as an option he was keeping open, and he was very consciously keeping it open last July in an interview with The Times in the Oval Office. Um, He has since said, no, I'm not thinking of firing Robert Mueller. Um, Obviously, it would have uh, created a a massive earthquake had he done so. So, uh, I mean, uh, let's just repeat this because this is uh, this is really huge. In June, this was June of of this past year of 2017. Yep, that is correct. And he he actually went through and asked Don began the White House counsel to do that. Yes, yes. He ordered him to do it. Um, or he ordered the fire. He ordered the firing of him, and McGahn said, "If this happens, I will quit." And and that is that is how it ultimately went away. McGahn is not the first person who has had to quit to uh, impact the president's behavior. John Kelly did a few times uh, early on in his uh, in his tenure as chief of staff. I'm just trying to remember. I mean, it's hard to remember back in June because even though it's just you know <laughs> six months ago or so, it feels like a lo- uh, ages ago. What else was happening around that time that would have led the president at, in that moment to to fire, try to fire Mueller? 
Um, it's a great question. Uh, it was it was uh, a couple of months after, obviously, he had fired uh, Comey, and it was during a period of time where he was talking both about um, Mueller and increasingly taking aim at Jeff Sessions. He was very frustrated. He was very angry that this was taking place. There were new reports about Mueller's activity and what he was looking into. Um, and uh, uh, that was a moment in time when Mueller was was uh, un- under the president's uh, watch when the president's former lawyer from New York, Mark Kazowitz, who had been his personal lawyer for a very long time, was leading the defense team for the president. He had a much more adversarial approach uh, than the current lawyers do who are representing the president. And I think that may have impacted it. Was this, I, I believe it was your reporting about uh, you know, not only was he publicly going after Sessions, that Sessions at one point, according, I think it was your reporting, had offered to resign. Is that not, is that correct? That is, that is absolutely correct. Was that around this and, time? Um, it was, uh, God, I'm sorry, to your point that we can't remember. My, I, I actually think that was about. That was um, earlier, I think. Earlier, I believe. I think that might have been May or it might have been June, but it, there, was a, there was a period of time, and it was over several weeks, uh, where it happened, where the president was berating Sessions over the recusal from the Russia probe, uh, and Sessions at one point uh, offered his resignation. Um, you know, the president wouldn't accept it, but then Sessions still handed in a letter. The president said he wouldn't accept the resignation, but it took a while until he gave the letter back, and this played out over a long period of time, longer than this uh, issue with Mueller did. So there's a lot of speculation about who leaked this information. Well, the New York Times says they have four sources, so it's pretty solid. Right. And but but there's still talk about where is this coming? Yeah, from. yeah, yeah. And Bill Crystal was the first one that I saw promote this theory. But I've since seen several other people promote this. Theory. Yeah, Walter. Well, he's a conservative. Um, Bill Crystal. But also Walter Schaub, who used to be the ethics czar under Obama, he floated the same idea. So the theory is, the theory and the idea that Again, we... Again, talking in code. Right, have been talking <laughs> about and have not addressed, is that McGahn leaked it. That Don McGahn himself leaked it. And, why Why did they think that? Well, Bill Crystal even thinks that perhaps Ty Cobb leaked it. With, Donald Trump's attorney. With Don McGahn. Huh. And he says, why now? Well, its effect will presumably be a negative reaction to firing Mueller, which may well mean Trump recently returned to the idea. And this is a desperate effort by McGahn to stop him again. Like a trial balloon. They floated out there. Got to see what the reaction would be. He'll be able to realize, oh, shit. Yeah, that didn't go over well. I better not really do that. Yeah. So according to what I've been reading, it seems like they have reassured Trump that that it's coming to an end don't fire Mueller. It will come to an end. What you need to do is cooperate. Do not fight back. Do not fire him. This this looks bad. Not good for optics. Just relax. It's almost over. And that had calmed him down. Hmm. And he felt okay with that. But maybe he's getting a little testy again. <laughs> I think the, the entire GOP is getting testy right now. I mean, we're going to move on here after this and talk about the conspiracy theories that are happening and all of the the last thrashes before the the corpse is you know the body is finally cold of the GOP and because they're, they're they're going crazy right now and I think it is because they they know well that Robert Mueller is on to something and this thing is coming to a close. So before we move forward, let's give the rundown of what happened here leading up to this event. So he asks Comey for loyalty. 
Yeah. And then he asks him to drop the Flynn thing. That stop is right. Stop it with the Flynn thing. And he said, can you see your way clear to stop the investigation into Flynn? And then he fires him. Because he, he fires, won't do it. He fires Comey. Yeah. And then he wants Sessions to not recuse himself from the investigation. Yeah. He was very adamant about that. Then he pressured Jeff Sessions to fire McCabe. Andy McCabe, who was uh, the acting FBI director and now the deputy director for the, the agency. He also put pressure on Mike Pompeo, the director of CIA. Yeah, that's right. And other congressmen to say that he wasn't under investigation. Yeah, that's, he, he pressured uh, Dan Coates, who's the director of uh, the D- Defense Intelligence Agency, Pompeo, who's the CIA, and then um, the other guy who is the NSA... Mike Rogers. And then he tried to fire Mueller. That's right. And also floated maybe firing Jeff Sessions. So And and one other thing, all this kind of leads to not kind of it fucking points directly to it as far as I'm concerned, obstruction of justice. What was in his head? What was his intent? He also asked Andy McCabe, who was interviewing for the full-time FBI position, "Hey, who'd you vote for?" Mm-hmm. which is like another way of asking for loyalty, finding out to whom he was loyal. Annie McCabe didn't vote in the general election, but he did vote in the primary, and he voted in the Republican primary. So he's not some bleeding heart liberal. He voted for a Republican. So this, this, this trying to fire Mueller is one more thing that points to the mind of Donald Trump and his intent to stop this investigation, stop obju- uh, justice, obstruct justice any way he could. Well, and I I've been saying this for a while, but if he's if this ends and he's not guilty, he hasn't done something wrong, then what in the hell has been going on? Right, Why is everyone right. lying? Why is he trying to fire everyone? Why is he acting like the most guilty person on earth? I mean, if it really comes out that he, there was no collusion and there, you know, what he's no been collusion. saying. No collusion. I, I just will not understand why he has been behaving this way. How, how, how could that be the case? I, I mean, that's rhetorical. I don't expect well, you to I'm, answer. I'm still trying to keep an open mind, Yeah, I guess, sure. but I... Because Mike Flynn lied. He pled guilty to lying to federal authorities. Yeah, it just doesn't add up to for me. Pompeo that... also lied. Manafort likely lied. Manafort just filed documents the other day that... He slipped up. He shouldn't have released this information in a public public filing. But it revealed that the FBI had an informant in his office working for him. So they've got all kinds of dirt mm-hmm. on Manafort. That guy's going to spill the fucking beans. They're going to f- get that guy to flip for sure. All kinds of stuff. So listen, because of this, the GOP is losing its goddamn mind. They are thrashing and desperate and, well, first, let's do this. We're going to talk about all these weird conspiracy theories that they've been trying to get going for the last 10 days or so. But while this New York Times information was 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 uh, breaking, MSNBC was covering it wall to wall. 
CNN covering it in detail. What do you think Fox News was doing? Well, let's listen to Hannity. Now, tonight, for example, they're trying to change the story. At this hour, the New York Times is trying to distract you. They have a story that Trump wanted Mueller fired sometime last June. And our sources, and I've checked in with many of them, they're not confirming that tonight. And the president's attorney dismissed the story and says, no, no comment. We're not going there. And how many times has the New York Times and others gotten it wrong? Gotten it wrong, he says. Well, it was only a few minutes later in the same broadcast that he did this. All right, so we have sources tonight just confirming to Ed Henry that, yeah, maybe Donald Trump wanted to fire the special counsel for (laughs) conflict. Does he not have the right to raise those questions? You know, we'll deal with this tomorrow night. We have a shocking video of the day to bring you, by the way. This footage comes to us from Arizona. That is awesome. Look at how they, they treat facts on that network. Yeah. So he's not even going to cover it tonight. He's going to cut to a high-speed chase and a crash to distract you. Yeah. So he immediately says, yeah, it was true. Okay, so he wanted to fire Mueller. But hey, everybody, look at this uh, amazing car crash (laughs) and just ignore what's happening in reality. I love the tone up front. It was, yeah, well, we know the New York Times are liars, and they've been trying to say this kind of stuff for years, for months and months. And I've been talking to the sources. I've called them myself. And none of them say that this has happened. He's discrediting it. It's a lie. And then when it can't be denied anymore, well, yeah, it's true. But is it even a big deal? I mean, this is in in just in a 45-second clip, we're hearing exactly what the Trump mantra has been this entire time. No, absolutely didn't happen. Oh, well, it did happen, but eh, it's not a big deal that it happened. Yeah. Th- that's exactly what they've been doing. Well, and what are the chances that he's going to cover it tomorrow on Friday? Right. What are the chances that he's actually going to talk about this again? Well, he he likely will talk about it again, but he will have had 24 hours to come up with a way to spin it, to come up with the talking points, to get with the White House and be told what the line is. Here's how we're going to deal with this. Here's how we're going to spin it. He couldn't do it on the fly. He had to wait. That's yeah. why we'll deal with this tomorrow. Well, he's already tweeting. Also, liberal sheep think I should run wild with at New York Times anonymous sources and not confirm myself. Sure, I trust at New York Times that put this picture on the cover of their magazine. And it's a picture of him screaming. And he made himself green. And parenthetically, he says, I added the green. I don't know why he made himself green. (laughs) Very strange. But he didn't need to comment on it. Yeah. That's something that he could have done. You just report on it. Was refrain from making a comment on it at all. But what he needs to do is reassure people that it's not true. Yeah. That, well, we should all wait. That... The New York Times is out to get him, blah, blah, blah. He needs to continue with that narrative. Yeah. And then it all came crashing down on him. In the course of one episode. Mm-hmm. Because he was the only, it was the only cable network that wasn't presenting the facts. Because up until that point, when he came out and said, oh, well, oh, yeah, I guess it is true, but what's the big deal? Everyone had covered it. Yeah. Ugh. So the other thing are these two conspiracy theories that have been out there right now. One is this missing text thing, 
and these texts that were exchanged between two FBI agents who were having an affair with one another. Lisa Page. Lisa Page and uh, something Strzok, Peter Strzok. Mm-hmm. And they they exchanged a, a text message that ABC revealed mm-hmm. that said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it. It's something like, oh, so are you? You're not even gonna." T- Hand out the calendars? Ah, that seems kind of like a bummer. Well, I guess we could make it the first meeting of the secret society. She was referencing these like... Okay. Well, wait. That's your tone that you would read it in? This is how conservatives are reading it in. Are you going to pass out the calendars that you got? Or should it be the first meeting of the the secret society? (laughs) Secret society. I fucking love it. It's the more secret ne- society. It's more nefarious. They they think that there's something afoot. Right. <laughs> so the calendars she's talking about were like these gag Putin calendars because they were on the Russia investigation. And they were gag gifts for colleagues. And these two were having an affair. Who... If you really have a secret society, Brittany, if we had like a... a like where we sacrifice babies or something... We wouldn't call it a secret society. We go, oh, you know, the thing or the we'd be veiled and guarded in our language. Yeah. You ready to go get a hot cocoa? Wink, wink. Yeah, right. Smiley face emoji. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you order when you're ordering drugs or something on the on the TV, they always like, oh, no, call it pizza or call it candy canes or what. They always want another name for it. Not illicit drugs. Yeah. I mean, these people are not smart to be using their FBI cell phones sure. in this way. It's what I always talk about. Be careful what you email. And if you work for the FBI and you're using your FBI cell phone, be careful yeah. about what you're right. texting. So so what happened was, is they switched systems, carriers, or phones, or something, the FBI did. And there were like 50,000 text messages that were, got, were missing from this team. Well, what they don't tell you, the conservatives, is that it wasn't just this team who lost text messages. One out of every 10 phones in the entire um, ecosystem of the Federal Bureau of Investigation was affected. So there were, there were phones all over the place and messages, messages missing all over the place. But the Republicans don't talk about that. They act like it's an isolated thing with just these two idiots. Hashtag lovebirds. So... They started this secret society thing. <laughs> Here is how it went down. In the midst of the FBI investigation into President Trump's team, many Republicans are questioning the legitimacy of the investigation, and in some cases, the entire agency. Their latest focus? Text messages between a top FBI agent removed from special counsel Robert Mueller's team and an FBI lawyer. Republicans say that in one exchange, the agent, Peter Strzok, refers to a secret society in the FBI. Republican Senator Ron Johnson, the chairman of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, told reporters today that an informant says he has more information on that. I have heard that there was a group of managers within the FBI that were holding meetings offsite. That's all, that's all I know. So, and that, again, all I said was when Strzok and Page described, you know, as they described a secret society, that didn't surprise me because I had, you know, I guess, corroborating information potentially. Just potentially. Again, all I'm saying is there's a lot of smoke out there. Let's bring in CNN's counterterrorism analyst, Phil Muddy, worked for 
uh, the FBI. Um, meetings off-site, secret society, anything you can tell me without <laughs> yeah, having we, to kill me? We used to send around emails. I'm not kidding. This is all true. I hope they don't review them now. They're probably still collected. They're saying, we have a staff meeting today. For us, this was a few of the managers. Staff meeting meant we are going to a bar. I'm sure there are people going off-site all the time at the FBI after hours having a beer. They don't invite their colleagues. The question is whether you believe that there's some secret conspiracy that says they're walking around saying, we're going to make sure the Trump investigation or the, the uh, collusion investigation goes the way we want. And the few of us around this table in a 35,000-person agency now have the capability to walk back in the FBI and persuade former Director Mueller, probably 40 years as a prosecutor, that actually we have some secret information that implicates President Trump. This is nonsense. It's just complete nonsense. Well, what do you make of the Peter Strzok uh, text messages? Certainly they don't. Uh, help the appearance of the investigation uh, when he's saying he and, and this woman uh, lawyer that he was uh, texting with were saying all sorts of nasty stuff about about then candidate Donald Trump. I mean, it doesn't look good. It, it, it not only does it not look good in, in, in the FBI language. And I was there. You say he ought to be out on the bricks for a while. In other words, he ought to be out for a few weeks without a paycheck. The question is not whether he said inappropriate things or rough things about President Trump. Every American, 330 million Americans is doing that today. FBI agents vote. They have views after hours. It's using government property. I'm assuming he was using his FBI-issued cell phone to right. do this. If you believe, though, that a person who votes Democrat can't participate in the investigation of Hillary Clinton, a person who repo- votes Republican can't participate in, in the investigation of the Republican uh, presidential campaign, how do we conduct investigations? Do you do a truth test before you go into an investigation saying nobody who voted for Hillary Clinton can participate in the collusion investigation? It doesn't make sense to me. Everybody did this. They shouldn't have done it on their phone. It doesn't suggest to me that there's bias throughout the bureau. Um, Senator Johnson, uh, who you just heard there, yeah. uh, he, he's almost like walking back a little bit what he said uh, last night on a different channel where he seemed to suggest that he knew about the secret society. Now he's saying um, he knew that there are references to going off site. Uh, and that the informant said that there might be you know, more information about that. He seemed to be walking it back a little. What do you think about Senator Johnson saying this? And more broadly, uh, there seem to be a lot of Republican officeholders who are really impugning not just Peter Strzok and these individual text messages or those individual uh, uh, FBI uh, officials, but the FBI in general. I'm saying that it's like the KGB. There's a coup going on. There seems to be a real effort by some Republican officeholders and many in the conservative media to besmirch the FBI. So, that's what they've done. That clip went on for another two minutes, but I was tired of it. So, one of those days. <laughs> the damage is done here because all the nutter butters, all the Trump, the Trump people, the loyalists, have already gotten this, this talking point, already gotten this in their head. It just reinforces for them that there is a conspiracy, the deep state conspiracy against Donald Trump. Even though now they have revealed the the text messages. They found the text messages, the FBI. This is not a, there is no, there is nothing here. There isn't anything here. The other thing that is the, they're desperate to create a conspiracy around. Well, I want to, I want to pause because I think that it's important to note that everyone has bias. And everyone has political opinions. Right. And even though they work in the FBI and they have a very specialized job and there are expectations that they remain somewhat impartial, they still have their bias. Yeah. 
And that's okay. They can't get rid of it. They can tone it down when they're at work. They can ignore it. They can focus on their job. It cannot be a part of their job. But I think that Republicans are getting a little carried away talking about the text messages because remember, these two people were in a relationship. Yeah. So she was texting her boyfriend. He was texting his girlfriend. They were doing it with company time, company phones. (laughs) Yeah. Which isn't great, but... And they were having an affair with one another. Oh, they were married. To other people. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I didn't know that, but... Uh, Except it it matters to Republicans that they were, but it doesn't matter with Republicans that he's been inside of a porn star. (laughs) While his newborn baby was at home with his his wife. Eh, not so big a deal. But these FBI agents having an affair, oh my God, impugns their character. How dare they? Good times. So I, I think that they can still do their job. They were fired, though. Yeah. Well, when, it, when it was found out that they had this bias. Taken off the investigation, for sure. Robert Mueller, when he caught wind of this, from the IG, the Inspector General report, he fucking, eh, you're out. Because like I said, it's okay to have them. It's okay to go home and talk to your wife about how... Donald Trump is a turd, and yeah. you can't believe that you're de- dealing with this, whatever. It's a different thing to, at work, say those things, and it should be kept separate, I think. Well, it's just, Robert Mueller is a Republican. James Comey is a Republican. It just, you can't, so are we to assume that anybody who is a Trump voter cannot be a part of this investigation on Mueller's team because they voted for for someone else. We don't want it to be all Hillary Clinton people who are trying to get Donald Trump. We want to get to the fucking bottom of this. Yeah, that's the thing. Do they want someone who has lived in a hole and doesn't understand the political system, doesn't know anything about politics, has no political opinions? Right. No, these people are humans. They have opinions and they voted different ways. Whatever. And it's not inappropriate for them to have differing political opinions. Of course than not. Than the president. Of course not. So the the other thing, the other conspiracy here is Devin Nunes, who has, has floated this memo. Let's remind everybody who Devin Nunes is. Devin Nunes uh, was thrown off his chairmanship from, from his, the Intelligence Committee in the House because he was releasing information going down to the White House where he purported to have given the information to the White House. But in, in reality, he was given talking points from the White House, given access to a skiff where it's just a room where you can look at classified information. And he was the one talking about the unmasking process. This is a Donald Trump lackey. He is now floating this four-page memo, which is supposed to summarize other classified, top-secret sources and methods that isn't going to be declassified. And they put a spin on it that unless you know what the source information is, it seems damning. Here's something on that. The House conservatives are demanding the release of a memo. It's a memo by the House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes a memo that details allegations of FBI missteps during the 2016 election. Democrats counter that this is just a political document 
and an attempt by the GOP to distract and discredit the Russia investigation. Jessica Schneider is out front. So, Jessica, let's start, you know, obviously conservatives, this whole, you know, rallying cry of release the memo and they have it in some mm. secret room where you can't remove it. You know, they, they, they've surrounded it in all kinds of secrecy. What is the real story about the memo? Yeah, so it's kind of Democrats versus Republicans, Aaron. So it was written by Chairman Nunes. Republicans who have viewed it, they say it demonstrates widespread abuse by the FBI during the 2016 election. So now some of those Republicans want it in turn released to the public. So this is a four-page classified report, and it comes after Devin Nunes reviewed materials that were provided to him by the FBI and the DOJ. But Democrats are putting it this way. They're saying that his findings are misleading and skewed, and it's all just part of the report. Republican effort to help the White House undercut the Russia investigations. You know, conservatives, they've repeatedly accused the FBI of relying on the Steele dossier in its own investigations, and they want to know how and if the FBI used the dossier to obtain FISA warrants on Trump associates. And also an interesting note about this, Aaron, um, it turns out that it's not just Republicans who are pushing to make this Nunes report public. Tonight, the Twitter tracking tool Hamilton 68, it's actually found that Russian-linked Twitter accounts are blasting out the hashtag release the memo, trying to put some backing to this. And WikiLeaks is even offering a reward to anyone who submits that memo or the report to its site. Aaron? Uh, well, look, if there's one thing I will put a bet on, it's that it eventually gets leaked. But certainly uh, mm. the last thing, if you're Devin Nunes, that you want for your credibility is Russian hack bots tweeting it out. Um, yeah. Because let's be clear, Jessica, this memo is from Devin Nunes, who is one of the president's most loyal supporters and certainly no stranger to controversy. Yeah, he's been surrounded by controversy. There was a lot of tension over Nunez's role on the committee. And that bubbled up when he secretly traveled to the White House back in March. He reviewed classified intelligence that he claimed showed rampant misconduct by U.S. officials when it comes to unmasking. He even briefed the president on what he reviewed, but none of that has, has really been substantiated. So Nunez, after that all bubbled up, he said that he would step aside from the Russia investigation after he became the subject of an ethics investigation into his handling of classified information. But really, in the months since, Aaron, it's been almost a year now, Nunes has really run his own effort to push the FBI, the Justice Department, for all of these documents about the dossier, and he's been unrelenting leading to this report now. Aaron? All right. Thank you, Jessica. So, this is a problem. This is obviously a distraction. And it's not just CNN and MSNBC who is noticing it. Their anchors largely are. Those anchors are largely where I get my sources of news, and ABC as well. There are some over at Fox News. Not many, but the actual true journalists are speaking out. Here's Shep Smith. Intelligence Committee now say they have a memo of their own, which they say challenges the Republican memo that criticizes the Justice Department and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, the Republican Devin Nunes of California, prepared that GOP document, wrote it. It reportedly accuses some federal officials of political bias in their investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election and possible collusion with the Trump campaign. The memo contains classified information. Democrats say it is misleading and meant to make investigators look bad so people are less likely to believe their findings, tear down the institutions of government and the news organizations which report so neither will be believed in the event of negative findings on the president or his administration. Some Republicans say that memo is so damning 
It could shut down the special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. But not all Republicans agree. Today, for instance, the Republican Congressman Charlie Dent of Pennsylvania said his colleagues should cease and desist from some of this rhetoric. We were mortified a couple of years ago when many on the far left were you know, launching these attacks against police. And, and now here we are as a party, you know, trying to brand ourselves as somehow suggesting that the men and women of the FBI are not as pre professional as they ought to be. Uh, we need to get behind law enforcement, uh, show some respect here and move away from these conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories. Other Republicans are calling for the memo to be made public, saying Americans should see it and judge for themselves. The Trump Justice Department warning lawmakers that would be extraordinarily reckless unless the department reviews the document first. The information in the memo at this point is classified, and so that's classified for a reason. It has national security implications, and if there's evidence of wrongdoing, we want to address it immediately. So we want to see the memo while it's classified. The number two Senate Republican says it's up to the House whether to release the memo, but he says people should take it seriously. When the public begins to question the integrity of, uh, of uh, the department and the FBI and, and uh, conclude in the absence of other information that somehow politics has taken over rather than, than, the, than the law, uh, that's a very serious uh, matter and we need to get that uh, cleared up through uh, one, one means or another. John Cornyn. The top Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff of California, says if Republicans do release their memo, Democrats will also call for their memo to go public. Remember, this began with Devin Nunes, the same Devin Nunes who last year made White House surveillance claims, staged a rush to the White House to purportedly share surveillance information with the administration, but actually took information from the administration and staged a report of it. At its core, it was PR, and it was bogus. Devin Nunes wrote the memo currently in question. He will not share it with investigators. The Trump Justice Department wants to see it. He won't let them. The same Trump Department says it should not be made public as it would damage the nation. It's classified. It could reveal sources and methods. The Republican Trump appointee, the Assistant Attorney General Stephen Boyd, says releasing the memo would be extremely reckless. Richard Burr, the Republican of North Carolina, chairman of the Select Committee on Intelligence, has requested a look before any possible declassification. Look denied. Many who've seen the memo say it's misleading, distracting, and lacking context. The memo itself is, the, is, the conservative, is in the conservative discussion mix, while the special counsel investigating Russian interference in our democracy is apparently about to interview the President of the United States while seeking to determine whether he's colluded with the Russians or obstructed justice. A memo can be a weapon of partisan mass distraction, especially at a pivotal moment in American history when it behooves the man in charge for supporters to believe the institutions can't be trusted, investigators are corrupt, and the news media are liars. Context matters. Goddamn. Shep Smith. Awesome. I, Elton John announced that he's... Uh, retiring. Mm -hmm. This is relevant. And <laughs> <laughs> Shepard Smith's page on Facebook posted about it. Yeah. And all of the comments were saying, uh, Shepard, when are you going to retire? Are you uh, leaving too? What, you don't feed us the propaganda we so desire. Yeah, it's really disturbing that yeah. they can't handle it. Idiots. I mean, really, they're just they're just the, the, the poorly educated. They're 
just now getting into politics. They feel like they have a voice and they're fucking idiots. Well, you'd think that they many would, of them. You'd think that they would find it useful to explore the opposition and how to counter yeah. the points from the opposition rather than saying fake news. That's not happening. But they're not smart enough to make a cogent argument. They're that's that's how they argue. La 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 la. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. That's if, that's effectively what fake news is. The the proclamation of fake news. You know. Yeah. Maybe you have more faith in in. Uh, maybe I'm just having a real bad day. I'm saying that I wish. Oh. <laughs> I I wish that they would be interested yeah. in the opposition yeah. to figure out how what they're thinking. So that they can really think through it and come up with a response, but really just understand what reality is. Not a real high bar to understand what reality is. It's the asshole of today. Republican U.S. Senate candidate for Missouri, Cortland Sykes. Cortland Sykes. Mm-hmm. You are an asshole. Why is Cortland Sykes, 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 I think, an asshole? Well, he posted this message to his Facebook page, Cortland Sykes for Senate. And he was asked, do you favor women's rights? Which <laughs> seems like a cut and dry, easy question to answer. Well, it seems like a question that shouldn't even be asked. Right. Why is that being asked? Right. Do you favor women's rights? And this is how he responded. Well, Chanel, my fiance, has given me orders to favor them, so I'd better. But Chanel knows that my obedience comes with a small price that she loves to pay anyway. Wait a minute. Where's this going? No shit. Where's this going? <laughs> God damn. I want to come home to a home cooked dinner at six every night. One that she fixes and one that I expect one day to have daughters learn to fix after they become traditional homemakers and family wives. Think Norman Rockwell here and Gloria Steinem be damned. Where? Um, do you have, do you have a picture of this guy? How how old is this turd? Um, because Cortland sounds like a one of those newfangled kid names like Gage or Track or you know. Well, his picture's hilarious. I'm gonna turn my computer around to show oh you. Oh my god, that he, guy thinks he is awesome. He thinks he's Fabio. I don't know how old he is. He's forty or so. He's not an old man. No, he's not old. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's probably, probably 40. Dick. Maybe 35 to 40. That guy takes himself very, very seriously. <laughs> Are you listening to me read this statement? <laughs> of course he does. Wow. Okay, so he continues. I don't buy into radical feminism's crazed definition of modern womanhood, and I never did. They don't own that definition, and never did. They made it up to suit their own nasty, snake-filled heads. <laughs> So it's so it's oh honey uh, I don't want to be the kind of lady that has dinner ready for you at 6 p.m. every night. Oh, you radical feminist. You snake-filled head bitch. Because you don't <laughs> want to have dinner ready. I actually would like to have a job where I get off at 6 or 6:30. Oh, I can see the snakes. He continues. 
<laughs> Modern women can be anything they want, including traditional women, as millions and millions more are fast becoming. Millennial women voters despised Hillary and cost her the election, and they weren't Russians. I wonder why they despise her. One reason is they look at her personal life's wreckage and didn't want to become like her. And I don't buy the nonstop feminization campaign against manhood. Men and women are different, and gender-bending word games by a goofy nest of drugstore academics aren't going to change anything, except the fantasy life of those confused people in ivory towers. I want daughters to have their own intelligence their own dignity, their own workspace, and their own degrees. I want them to build home-based enterprises and live in homes shared with good husbands, and I don't want them to grow up into career-obsessed banshees who forego home life and children and the happiness of family to become nail-biting. You get the point. God damn. This guy's a fucking dick for. Yeah. Unbelievable. All right. Well, that guy's for sure the asshole of today. Well, and it goes on and on and nah, on. No, nah, no, nah, We're done. And I, <laughs> I, I don't understand how this is still an acceptable thing where he felt comfortable putting this on Facebook, uploading it. Where, where's he running for office? Missouri. <laughs> Yeehaw! Missouri! We've been running for office, y'all! I just what's with the snake filled heads thing? Who I'm knows? still hung this up on that vitriol. part. You know, it's venom. Yeah. You know, I God damn. Mm-hmm. All right. Really <laughs> capping off an awesome day here. Good Court, times. Cortland Sykes. Cortland Sykes, everybody. Asshole of today. Snake filled heads. And with that, we are gonna leave you. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Hey, don't forget to tune in to the live stream on YouTube. We will post about it on social media. We'll post about it on Twitter and the Facebook page. If you're a patron, you're going to be getting an email. Um, It'll be Sunday at 6 p.m. Los Angeles time. Also, if you are a Patreon supporter at the $5 and above tier, you will be getting a message on Friday and Saturday for the Zoom Hangout. You will receive a link. You will follow that link if you want to join the Hangout. (laughs) And that will be at 8 p.m., Los Angeles time on Friday and 11 a.m. Los Angeles time on Saturday. All right. And if you'd like to sound off, you want to communicate with the show, leave a voicemail, 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo or a regular email from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.